Good morning, and welcome to another edition of the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd, joined as always by my buddy Rob. How you doing, Rob? Good. How's it going, everybody? <laughs> Hopefully well. Um, Dukes are 4-0, still ranked number one in the country, still riding a 16-game Division I leading winning streak. So everybody should be happy, even if some fans were freaking out a little bit this weekend. Um, we're going to do our normal thing this week. We'll do four downs from the main game this past weekend. Talk, look, we'll probably look forward a little more than we usually do this week. Uh, we are a day late in recording on our normal schedule. Rob was traveling. That's my fault. My <laughs> fault. <laughs> I had a little weekend getaway. Um, yes. Celebrating my wife's birthday. Yeah, yeah there's a very nice trip, but um, didn't feel it was really right to come immediately home and say, happy birthday, wife. I'm going to go record a podcast. Yes. Very happy birthday yeah. to the, the brains behind this operation, Jessica yes. Abbott. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so we will look a little more forward this week than we usually do, just because we're a little later in the week recording. Um, a couple things. One, welcome again to a mostly college football-related podcast, um, JMU-related podcast. At least for one more week, this will be a politics-free episode. This will also yes. be a parking situation-free episode um, for those that are already concerned about that. Um, a couple notes before we get going. Uh, this is the first kind of big road game the Dukes have played all year. Obviously, the ECU game's big, but those FBS games are kind of unique. So we encourage all the Dukes fans out there, if you're not traveling up to the armpit of America, Newark, Delaware, to find a watch party this weekend. You can look on the Duke Club website. You can look on the JMU Sports website. You can probably find a Facebook group in your area and get out there and join some Dukes and watch the game this weekend. Um, it's on Comcast Sportsnet this weekend, so it should be available most anywhere uh, you can find a good cable package. Um, one more note before we get started is next week is JMU's bye week this season, and uh, no promises here, but Rob and I thinking about maybe trying to have our first guest. We're not completely sure, but we'll, uh, we'll try to sort that out next week um, in, during the bye week. And that's about it as we get into the heart of this. Rob, we'll start with uh, four downs from the main game. I'll let you go ahead and take first down. Okay. Um, I was kind of watching this one on my phone Saturday afternoon from, uh, <laughs> from Rhode Island. You seem to watch a lot, actually. I did. I was actually, you know, tuned in. We we had the old lobster rolls and hanging out. Um, it was You're fun. Not the only one with the lobster rolls. Exactly, <laughs> and that's a topic for a whole different podcast. Yes. Um, but it was good, and then I rewatched it last night when I got home, and everybody went to bed. The thing that struck me is just like th this game is really hard. I mean, everybody was <laughs> following on Twitter and in the phone, and like just watching my phone. Like there seemed to be so much angst, like the world was ending, and oh my gosh, that was way too close. And, Jamie won by three scores in a conference opener against a really well-coached team that traditionally has given JMU fits. Um, mm -hmm. the, the record might not show it this year. You know, Maine already has two CAA losses, so the deck's kind of stacked against them in terms of the playoffs. But I was really impressed with Maine. And, and I don't say that as like a cop-out, but they're a good football team. Yeah. It is not easy to win 16 games in a row against any competition. But to yep. do it against CAA competition um, – it is ridiculous. You know, as we saw, we'll get to it probably later in the podcast. Yep. I'm sure we'll touch on some of the other games, but there are other good teams that are losing already. You know, there, there are no easy <laughs> outs this year. Yep, there are bad teams losing already, too. Yeah, there are bad teams losing, but it is very tough. Um, and so to see when JMU kind of had a, not even a slow start, but was just in a situation where 
the offense couldn't score at will and actually had to battle through and come from behind, they still got it done. So in some sense, it was really encouraging to see them take their first real big punches of the year mm-hmm. and, and then to win kind of going away. You know, 18 points, you, you always have those thoughts like coulda, shoulda, woulda, you know, one play this way or one play that way, game might have been different. It could have been more lopsided. Uh, just really an impressive win um, in, in a tough opener against a really good program. Yeah. I think that's a great point, and I think I think we forget that you know in the, ha- the purple haze of last year's you know sort of playoff domination, we forget that it's not like JMU blew out everybody on the schedule last year, and and not to mention JMU is the number one team in the country. They're riding a 16 game winning streak. Everybody and every kid who plays at the FCS level saw them beat NDSU last year up there in the Fargo Dome. They saw them win the national championship in Youngstown. Every week this year, they're going to get every team's best effort. Yeah, they and, have the proverbial target on yeah. their back, and, and that's nothing to be taken lightly. You know, no. Guys, you, you and I both played sports, not yeah. at the level of this. We don't <laughs> no. want to make it seem like no, no. You know, nobody's going to confuse me for Brian Shore. But, mm-hmm. but that does – you get a little something extra. Competitors love to play in games like this. And so – Guys from Maine, you know, they want to challenge themselves. They're accomplished athletes. The idea of playing in front of a sold-out crowd against the number one team, they brought their A game. They gave JMU everything they had, and they still lost by 18. That's right. I I think that's a great, great point. Um, For me, you know, just as we go on to second down here, um, I I think some of the freshmen coming into this game, we talked about this a little bit on the blog in the post game wrap up. But um, Ezra Archie at wide receiver, you know, had an enormous game, eight catches for 90 yards and a touchdown, and certainly looked, I mean, he almost broke another one early in the game. So that was really exciting. I think seeing Harry O'Kelly, the sort of alternate or alternating punter, the kid from Australia, I mean, that was turned into a huge weapon, some of those rugby style, or I guess in his case, Aussie rules style punts. Um, really helped JMU out a lot in the first half when they were struggling to find their way. And uh, it's, it's exciting to see those freshmen contributing so much early on in the season. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, that that was something you actually kind of stole mine. I feel like I'm one of these guys in the fantasy draft. Like, that was my pick. But uh, the entire next man up mentality of this team, every week there's somebody else stepping up. It just really speaks to the depth, uh, not only, you know, that, that the coaches have created through recruiting, but through practicing, you know, everybody's mm-hmm. ready. Every week we've got another player that we're excited about. Sure seems like it. Yeah. Rob, did you have a third down then now that I started? I, I did. I did. You know, I, I came somewhat, somewhat prepared. <laughs> uh, I, was, I was really impressed with Kyrie Hawkins. Yeah. You know, he was all over the place. Um, on a day when, you know, we really needed, Jamie really needed somebody to step up and pressure. Um, a talented but inexperienced quarterback. Maine mm-hmm. was going to come in. Maine has a good rushing attack. Um, I thought it was every bit as good as advertised. JMU mm-hmm. met the challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, held, held them relatively in check. Save one long run. I believe they held Banks under four yards of carry. You know, that's admirable. Forget it was averaging, what, nine yards of carry? Coming sure. In. But um, Hawkins was in the backfield all day long. I think he had two sacks. Um, got his hand on a couple passes. It just really one of those those days that, it felt like every time the announcers were making a play, or the, every time the announcers were calling somebody's name, he was he was the guy. He was huge, and I, I think with we'll talk about this a little later. But with with guys coming back this week, um, I think Hawkins really staked his claim to the fact that he's not stepping off that field anytime no. soon. You know, no, absolutely. Yeah, that that was big. 
For me, for fourth down, um, I would like to give a special shout out to Lobster. So, yes, right. Lobster won the food race this weekend, and uh, unbelievably, the uh, concessionaires from Aramark Concessions and JMU uh, did have three dollar lobster rolls in the fourth quarter. As Rob pointed out this weekend, I'm not sure if that means JMU has a lot of extra money or just lots of botulism. Yes, I mean, three three dollars. I mean, there are things. You just don't buy certain things on sale. <laughs> Seafood is one of them. I, I don't know. Hats off to whoever wrote a check, hopefully, to cover that cost. Because otherwise, I, I don't know where Jamie's coming up with $3 lops. That, that's just, I'd prefer not to think about that. No, and we a lot of fans have paid attention to this for years. And everyone has cheered for lobster between the third and fourth quarter in the food race that determines the $1 or the special in the fourth quarter. We'd probably like to think that maybe Taylor Dewey of the Duke or the JMU Athletics marketing team might have had something to do with this, but that was it was pretty fantastic. Our buddy Tim Emery from the Charlotte Dukes has been predicting this at a JMU Maine home game for years, and uh, needless to say, I don't think anybody was happier in JMU Nation than Tim. But besides the lobster, I did want to give a special mention to the CAA and. Rob and I, and, mm-hmm. and me in particular, I have been incredibly critical of what I often refer to as the Crumbling Athletic Association, and have and obviously have been very tough on the CAA. In fact, after this weekend, there was a, I don't know if it's a JMU fan or not, but a new parody account on Twitter, the Average CAA Ref, uh, started up, which we're hopeful about going forward. But in this game, Ish Hyman, uh, JMU's wide receiver, clearly appeared to have been targeted with a helmet-to-helmet hit that was not called early in the game. And then later in the game, Bryce McGinley, um, JMU's defensive player, was ejected from the game and called for a targeting penalty, which appeared to be rather bogus. And to the CAA's great credit, uh, they did review the play um, in college and in the CAA. If you are ejected from the game in the second half and you have a targeting penalty, you have to sit out the next game's first half, and the CAA reversed the call, and McGinley will be available from the beginning of the game this week. So I, I think that's um, really good work by the CAA, and I, I think it, it deserves mention here. Now, not only was it a bad call, but didn't they make it after another play was run? They did. They actually went. It seemed I mean, that so it's, way. It's like, they yeah, claimed that the clock had been, or whatever, that they had stopped and reviewed before the play, but it was really confusing, you know, during the game to see this happen. Like another play had been run and then we were all like, what? And that play was just a regular average play. And so it was very confusing as a fan to kind of understand what was going on. And then they come out and say, you know, McGinley is disqualified and you're like, what is going on? Yeah, that, that was, that was bad. Cause also the, the type of hit that Ish Hyman took is exactly the one, or exactly the type that virtually all fans agree need to be removed from the game. Sure. I mean, it, incidental or not, you, you can't lead with your crown right into a guy's face mask. Uh, we're really lucky Hyman wasn't hurt. That mm-hmm. was a nasty, nasty collision. I'm not saying it was malicious, but it's a, one of those things like it's a bang-bang play, but it was right in the face mask. And to see that one called, then to see McGinley kind of get jobbed. Uh, like you, I mean, kind of hats off to the TA for correcting it. Absolutely. So that kind of mostly finishes up our uh, – Thoughts on the main game as we move on. And as we do every week, we, we talk about one concern that we each have moving forward. 
Um, this is not a concern, but before I get to my concern, I, I would say uh, one exciting thing is looking forward this week is Brian Shore, Jamie's star quarterback, is now three touchdown passes shy of the all-time JMU record for touchdown passes, which is a record that is shared by two legendary Dukes, uh, Vad Lee from just a couple years ago, and Justin Riscotti from the leader of the 2004 championship team. So who knows if uh, Mr. Shore will break that record this weekend, or hopefully, you know, hopefully he'll break it this weekend, or maybe in the weeks to come, but that's something exciting to look out for. My concern this week, and, and again, this is, I don't have any concerns about Delaware, to be honest. It's funny to say that, like, I know that sounds awful and homerish and everything. And last week I was pretty concerned about Maine. Um, But for whatever reason, this week, Delaware's a running team. JMU's done a great job against the run for the most part this year. And my one big concern this week is just all the suspended players come back this week. And I think it'll be interesting as JMU heads into their bye week, um, how they work their rotation. Uh, one guy that's really welcome back this week is Nick Edwards on the offensive line. Saw Garen Butler get a little nicked up this week. I'm not, I don't think we're sure of his status. Um, Liam Fornadel, which I've been mispronouncing for weeks, but oh, is, is that how we say it? I, I think so. I'm that's not calling Fornadel. Yeah, me too. And that, but Kurt Dudley on the broadcast this week, he kept saying Fornadel. So huh. I'm going to go with that for now. And, uh, okay. and Kurt, we always trust, but you know, Nick Edwards is a guy who's already listed on the two deep this week as the potential starter at right guard. So it'll be nice to have him back. Certainly Terrence Alls. John Miller was a little banged up last week. Ish Hyman's been banged up this season. It'd be nice to have Terrence Alls back on the outside. And, of course, Brandon Herford coming back at the linebacker position, which probably will be the most interesting in terms of trying to work him back into the rotation with a lot, as you mentioned, Kyrie Hawkins and – a number of other Dukes, you know, putting in some excellent work early in the season. So my concern is just kind of how uh, Coach Houston and company work those guys back in, and, and hopefully they're thinking about getting them snaps this week headed into the bye week where they can really fix it, fix, you know, get their rotation set going forward. So, Rob, how about you? Yeah, like you, at the risk of sounding cocky, I'm not super concerned about anything in terms of JMU, I don't see a ton of weaknesses on this mm-hmm. team. Um, like any football team, there's going to be good days and bad days. And, you know, the first half, JMU had a tough time getting the getting the rushing game going, but eventually they just, just wore them out. Mm-hmm. So I'm not tremendously concerned in the sense that I don't see some glaring problem. But in a bit of a cop-out, I am just concerned about what's going to happen when they have one of those bad days. Um, mm-hmm. sooner or later, I mean, 16 games to essentially have so many things fall your way. <laughs> yeah. You just start to wonder, it, will there just be a game when the other shoe drops and things just just fall apart? I mean, even Vad Lee had a couple games where I think he threw like four or five picks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, so I don't know. It, I actually was reading some of Houston's comments about Delaware, and I was shocked. I, I thought he was taking shots at them because he's like, oh, they're off. But I thought – I have so much respect for Houston. I think he always plays it so straight. He doesn't go into a bunch of coach speak, but he was commenting that their offense is, you know, basically the same as last year. Mm-hmm. And my initial reaction was, Ooh, low blow, low blow. Like don't. And then I realized he was trying to be complimentary. Um, right. Their offense was so one dimensional. They, they've struggled with quarterback play since 2010. I think it was 2010. They made it to the 
to the final. FCS final. Right. And then the program kind of fell off a cliff. Um, they did. I mean, a couple of years, they were playing like a tight end at quarterback. It's just <laughs> been a disaster. They do have a running game. So I, I guess what Houston was saying is clearly like they've got some some real powerful backs that can run the ball, but they don't have much else. So we'll see. Like you said, Jamie's particularly good against the run. We've got mm-hmm. some new guys come back this week. I don't know. I just sooner or later you worry about a letdown game or just bad breaks. Um, you do, and, and especially on the like road that. at a place where JMU has not been particularly successful over the years against a coach that really has done well against JMU. As much as we we sure. poke fun and joke about Rocco, the guy is good, and he's had a week to prepare. Yep. Um, so we'll see. I'm confident, but you never know. Stranger things have happened. Sure. Second week in a row that a CAA opponent is coming off a bye when they face JMU. Which um, happened three or four times last, last year. Last year, that's right. And uh, one of those big Delaware, one of the big components of the Delaware running game is the running back Thomas Jefferson. Which is... Who thrashed William and Mary last year. It had to be particularly painful. <laughs> it did, it did. So always funny to see Jefferson against Madison. Um, I'm going to let Rob take us. One thing from this weekend that was really notable is there were a couple CAA scores that really jumped out at us. So, Rob, if you want to just give us a quick around the CAA. Yeah, this is. This kind of goes to what I was saying on first down in terms of like how difficult uh, just footballs in general, particularly the CAA. I mean, used to Elon used to be kind of a punching bag and get beaten up, and they knocked off Richmond. Now, as we said last week, we're not really sure who's good and who's not, but Richmond is a talented, talented team, mm-hmm. and they just got absolutely boat raced yep. um, with Elon's running game. Mm-hmm. I think Elon ran for what. Close to 400 yards? Yeah, and, and coming Richard. off beating Furman from the SoCon the week before. Yeah. I mean, it's a couple so, impressive performances. So, I mean, from... Elon is, we mentioned this earlier, how they're mm-hmm. a team that's doing some things. They got some good facilities. You know, it's a, it's a nice part of the state. Sure. Got some good coaches. So they're a team on the rise, but I was pretty surprised to see them knock off Richmond. Um, too. The other one is Villanova. Yeah. Uh, you know, see Albany to, you know, Villanova stormed back and two minute drill came back, tied the game. And then lost in overtime on a, I believe a fumble recovery, a brutal, brutal break. But you know, there, there's a lot of really good football teams. There in are the CAA, and even Rhode Island has had some wins. They knocked off Harvard. They did um, two weeks ago. So. And they were really competitive with Stony Brook this weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it's again, like I was saying earlier, we're not really concerned that JMU has any sort of weakness, but there's not a lot of games where you can just go in and just chalk up a win like we could last week against Norfolk State. Right. And, and it's hard to know what to make of Delaware this coming week. I mean, the, our, our favorite blue chickens have had kind of an interesting schedule. They've actually only played three games. Um, they've beaten Cornell, who I, I don't know anything about Cornell, but the Patriot League seems down this year. And they beat Delaware State. They're they beat insta- Cornell or Colgate? Uh, I think they beat Cornell, but maybe I'm making that up. Yeah. But either yeah, way, I mean, the Patriot yeah. League's been down. They, 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 well, there's the two teams Ivy. they've beaten that's, have not been. The, oh, Cornell's the, safety, the Ivy. You're right, right. Safety school of the Ivy League. <laughs> so, um, in any case, I mean, they've beaten Cornell Which I and still Delaware. couldn't get into, by the way. No, none of us. I, should, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't mock. <laughs> right. But their two wins have not come against notable opponents. They lost 27-0 to Virginia Tech, who is hosting game day this week and is does appear to be very good this year. Um, is obviously ranked 12th in the country at the FBS level. Um, I, I don't know that 27 nothing to Virginia Tech is a particularly bad loss. I mean, I, so I don't think we have any real sense of Delaware. Um, they did not play last week, so they're not in the around the CAA. But we will see what happens this weekend. 
Um, we did want to give one small but very important update on the potential for JMU to host College Game Day on October 14th against Villanova. Um, <laughs> we've tried, we tried to avoid this last week <laughs> because everybody's getting a little carried away with this. But there is one particularly big game that would really, really help this. Um, a lot of things have already broken JMU's way. It's certainly possible. Uh, we know that JMU is on the under-consideration list uh, from the producerly fitting JMU alum and game day producer. But this Friday night, actually, very late, 1030, West Coast game, um, USC goes to Washington State. I think Washington State's ranked in the top 20 now. Uh, both teams are undefeated. Uh, all of us are huge Cougars fans this this Friday. Not that we're not always Cougar fans, but um, <laughs> but this Friday in particular, we are. It, it would be very very helpful to JMU's chances for Washington State to knock off USC. Um, look like Cal, led by former JMU coach John Bowers' son Ross, um, had a shot against USC this past weekend, and then ultimately caved late in the second half and and lost, kind of going away. But that's a big one if JMU fans are paying attention to that. Be, everybody stay up late on Friday and root for Wazoo. So with that, we are going to get to our off-topic thing this week. And it is particularly off-topic. We've run out of sort of hipster things to talk about. So bite your tongue. <laughs> right. All right. Sorry. Um, this week, we're, gonna, we're each going to mention our favorite Hogwarts professor. So... I, I can hear people shutting down right now. They are, yes. I, except for our younger fans. I, I feel like Millennial Dukes may be very excited that we're going to talk about our favorite Hogwarts professor. And we'll talk about avocado toast next week there, to there keep them happy. That's right. Rob, do you want to go first on this one? Well, what are we, is it our favorite professor or favorite... favorite uh, you can go with character if you want to. I well, was I'll, thinking I'll, professor, I'll go, but... I'll go professor, but okay. I, I want to... I want to clarify that it's favorite, not necessarily best. And yes. that will be key to my, my choice. Because <laughs> I'm going to go with Hagrid, um, <laughs> who, objectively yeah. speaking, was not a particularly effective professor. In fact, In fact the worst <laughs> professor ever. Yes, right? yes. yes, he is. Um, what was he, care of magical creatures? And yes, the whole you would not send and... your own boys no. to Hagrid's class. No, I would not. And, yeah. and while we all laugh at, you know... Draco Malfoy, who was kind of like, I don't know, like the Richmond fan of, of Hogwarts. Like sure. he definitely, it's kind of spider. He kind of laughed, but it was an unwise decision. We'll go into that. But since this is somewhat of a football podcast, I tend to think of Hagrid as like your big offensive lineman. He's like the big key. He's smarter than people give him credit for. Mm-hmm. He's fiercely, fiercely loyal. Um, he's kind of everything you'd want in a friend or mentor, not not correct the instruction, but really just, uh, I don't know, probably my favorite character. Everybody thinks was like a big dumb oaf, but the guy, (laughs) I mean, heck, he unfairly got kicked out of Hogwarts and still knows all that magic. I've never really understood that part, but I'm kind of equating that to like people like, oh, big dumb offensive lineman, but then anybody you talk to knows anything is like, no, they're the smartest guys on the team. To to me, that's Hagrid. Like the big guy intimidates everybody. Heart of gold, fiercely loyal, protects you know Harry and Ron and Hermione like a good lineman would protect his quarterback. So, in my attempt to tie this back to sports, <laughs> I'm going to go with Haggard. That's awesome. I would, um, in also tying it back to sports, I would love, I really would have loved to go in with Professor Hooch, uh, who's sort of the PE teacher and the Quidditch referee 
Oh, one more. Hagrid also loves beer. He does love beer. Yes. Big, big fan. Be a fun guy to hang out with. I don't know if he's an IPA guy. No, I, I think he's <laughs> probably more, not. Probably more like moonshine, actually, if we're getting into that whole fire whiskey or whatever. Right. All, right, all right, sorry. Jump no, no, no. No, I mean, Professor Hooch, I'm just a, I'm a, I'm a sucker for that spiky hair. So yes. I would love to go with her. I'd certainly love to spend a night getting weird with Professor Trelawney up in the yeah. Divination Tower. <laughs> Right, but I, I have to admit I'm a Ravenclaw guy, and uh, Phileas Flitwick is my man, the uh, charms professor. I don't okay. think there was anyone more excited for the Battle of Hogwarts at the end than Professor Flitwick, um, who seemed particularly excited to activate all of the Hogwarts magic. Yes, and, uh, yes, the head of Ravenclaw House. Okay, so I, I thought I thought one of us would go Lupin. If we're talking strictly professor, he was probably the best. It was hard because I was trying to think about people that had been around a while. Like yeah. there were a number of professors, obviously. Like I, I have to admit, I actually kind of enjoy, at least in the movie version, I really enjoyed Slughorn as yeah. kind of a loathsome and then redeemed character. Um, but yeah, I, I just was trying to think about people that were there maybe more than one year. Um, this is this is awesome. We need to see if bumpers can show us exactly when people stopped listening. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. So I mean, Lupin, Lupin. First of all, werewolf, awesome, awesome. Mar- Marauder's map, right? Awesome, and just I mean, the whole Patronus purse. That's that's pretty. Or Patronus spell teaching to a thirteen year old. I don't know. Like you gather, that's like some sort of badass teaching, like teaching you know a fourth grader like particle physics or something. I don't know. Well, and that it was the seemed... class, right? That nobody learned. I mean, they really learned nothing in that course. Correct. For years and years and years, and that seemed to be the only year they advanced their studies. Absolutely. So, absolutely. And, yeah. you know, friends with Harry's dad and the whole backstory of it. Sure. No, but, but Hag- Hagrid's definitely my man. Nice. Rob, do you want to uh, hawk some shirts and uh, thank our audience here? Yeah. Um, I guess just thank you for the relatively positive response. Um, we've gotten some pretty good feedback up until we started talking about uh, Harry Potter. And soccer. And soccer. Um, we'll need to see if we get more hate mail about this than we did about soccer. But um, really appreciate everybody listening. Appreciate the feedback. Uh, feel free to reach out to us. Let us know what you like, uh, what you don't like. And also, please check out our t-shirt shop. It's on spreadshirt.com slash JMUSB. We've got some awesome shirts that Ben Mark Ben uh, Markowitz designed for us. We've got the Rootin' shirts that people seem to like. Mm-hmm. Um, we encourage you to get out there. They not to jinx it, but the type of thing that might look particularly good in the background of a college game day broadcast. That's right. Um, and we still have the Lockdown Gate shirts, which people are still buying. Um, yes. Kind of surprised me, but we get notifications pretty much every day. That and I saw you guys it. even got to start wearing purple shirts back up. That's yeah, great, too. I, I don't know where that came from. But I don't know either. <laughs> buy those, too. Yes. I think that's about it for us. So, Rob, thank you, as always. And looking forward to seeing everyone... Wherever you're watching the game this week, whether you're in Newark or in a watch party anywhere in the world, uh, we will be excited to watch the Dukes. And we'll talk next week after, hopefully, a win over the Blue Chickens. All right, right, cool. Have a good week, everyone. All right, go Dukes. Dukes.